music wow it's like you're fighting ganondorf and then you hear this all right well this is episode 29 of the handsome hockey podcast here in lovely portland oregon welcome my name is jake i am here with evan hi i'm evan that's evan someday we'll get better at introductions today is not the day i'm bad at just like interpersonal introductions i realize that part of the reason they don't remember people's names is i'm just so full of anxiety at meeting a new person when i meet new people and i don't want to be there i will purposefully go to shake hands with my left hand Ah, fucks up people's days (laughs) (laughs) that's very insidious 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 yeah deciduous (laughs) (laughs) that's very you do not lose your leaves in winter yes (laughs) carnivorous deciduous (laughs) coniferous Coniferous, carnivorous, carnivorous, coniferous. Man, if conifers started eating flesh, we'd be so fucked in the Northwest. <laughs> yeah, there would be nobody left in the Northwest. It would be trees and occasional reptiles. It'd just be a death zone. Be like my buddy's backyard when he had a Malamute or nothing lived <laughs> or like Chernobyl. <laughs> so. We don't have a whole lot to talk about today. I think part of that is, you know, the NHL season is winding down. The NWHL is out. And part of it is uh, we were kind of lazy this week, I think. (laughs) Not lazy. Actually, no, that's completely wrong. Evan was thoroughly busy and it was my birthday. So I just decided I didn't have a podcast until about 4 p.m. today. We'll find more to talk about as we go on. This this episode may be heavy on on, uh, tangents that that's a okay yeah. you know nothing says you have to stay on subject on your podcast all the time it's there is no commandment speaking of tangents derek chauvin just got convicted he fucked around and found out like almost no police officer before him has found out though yeah statistically few it's like four in mm-hmm. the last 20 years I I think it's like 25. For the first time in Derek Chauvin's life, he is amongst exclusive company. His peers? Yes. His peers are like the lady who shot uh, Botham Jean in Texas and, and him. There's the guy who shot Laquan McDonald in Chicago. I think he was the first first. And I think they got a first degree charge to stick on him. In a word, good. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not the ideal outcome of the situation. The ideal outcome of the situation is George Floyd is still alive. Yeah, the ideal outcome is fewer dead black and brown people. You did get a ver- a little bit of catharsis from the verdict, I think. I mean, I kind of allowed some of the rest of that saga to wash over me emotionally a little bit, and it was just like added to my feeling of exhaustion. The biggest thing for me was... At least I can take that anxiety off my shoulders Mm -hmm. because the ramifications of him not being convicted would have been heavy from a civil 
disobedience standpoint, mm-hmm. but more importantly, from a further tearing of the fabric of America. Yeah. And I know, you know, again, speaking as a white person, if you can't trust the justice system, which I don't think you really can anymore, mm-hmm. then that fabric starts to unravel rather rapidly. Right. So at least there was like this one tiny incident of being able to exhale Mm -hmm. and being like, okay, at least they got it right. This time. This time. And they got it right despite their best efforts. You know, there was four other cops there that one of them sort of unsuccessfully tried to stop Derek Chauvin from strangling George Floyd. There's the PR release after the fact just says a man was killed in the process of work today, completely downplays it. And, uh, you know, no doubt it would have just been just another statistic if it was not for bystanders, specifically one bystander that filmed it. Had he not been convicted, you know, the, the pile of evidence or the pile of bodies that you know, remain interred with no sense of closure or catharsis just is added to. You add George Floyd to Trayvon Martin, you add George Floyd to Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's just like this small inner voice that says, thank God. That the system worked, that the justice system worked as intended the courts. Uh, this time. Yeah, the overall system is still broken. The broken clock has been right once a day. You'll notice one word that Evan and I have not said as of yet, which is justice. Derek Chauvin being convicted of George Floyd's murder is not justice. No, it is not. This is what's supposed to happen. Like right. When you murder someone, you go to jail for it. Convicting a murderer is not justice. It's like the base level expectation. Mm -hmm. The base level is that you do not get away with murder. If the U.S. court system holding cops accountable were a round of golf, it would be bogey, 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 until this one time we have hit par. No birdies, no eagles, just a bunch of fucking shots in the rough, in the water, in the sand trap, off a tree hitting your grandma in the face. (laughs) That's how bad breaking windows. That's how bad the justice system is missed so many times when half heartedly attempting to convict police officers. Right. Or, you know, not even charging police officers or not giving them, not giving them adequate consequences to their on the job actions to dissuade them from further bad acting. I mean, Derek Chauvin had something like 22 reports of improper use of force. As a monster, he was not built in a day. He was created over time. And no doubt, this is not the first time that he's acted in this fashion. It's just the first time he got caught. It's not like he was a model police officer. He was a prick. Well, I think on some level, what, wasn't he a trainer or something too? So, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, I think in some ways he was a model police officer. They rewarded him like he was. And plenty of police officers have come out and said things like, I mean, I saw one said, we are all Derek Chauvin. It's like, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, you Um, fucking prick. But 
no, I don't think every police officer is Derek Chauvin. I think a lot of a lot of police officers serve honorably, but in a flawed system that dishonors a lot of their service, unfortunately. We have the all cops are bastards movement, the mm-hmm. ACAB movement. And you know what what you just said is absolutely true. Right. Not every cop is evil and a murderer and wants to just destroy the lives of black and brown folks. Right. In but, fact, probably the opposite is is also true. But they're all silent. And that's that's another problem, I should say, is that when Derek Chauvin murdered murdered George Floyd with his knee, there wasn't an outpouring of police officers saying, that's horrible, that's dishonorable, that's not how this job is done. There was no police outcry to say, actually, we need to convict this man. It was silence and a fingers crossed that the justice the judicial system would do what it's supposed to do there's a a, you know huge dichotomy of things that are very uncomfortable truths that are all true compared to policing and you know i don't really think i i subscribe to the all cops are bastards saying even though maybe i've chanted it a couple times in anger you know, I, I think it's maybe more correct to say all cops are like bastard children of two systems. You have a policing system and basically a military system. And the two have become intertwined in a way now today that has created problematic oversight. Uh, civilians don't have enough control over their own police forces. I listened to a really good interview with the head of the Center for Policing Equity. Uh, who's also a, a Yale law professor. He actually does a lot of scientific looking at law and crime and police officer activity across the nation and has a lot of really interesting stories to tell about it and talks a lot about how, you know, there are generally police officers trying to do the right thing that are stymied one way or another by the realities of their employment. And he talks about, you know, police chiefs uh, that are black and brown that have had sometimes to like sue for their jobs, had to, you know, thought that they were going to be able to make changes, but instead just tried to maintain their position and, and like, you know, had to fight for their job. One thing I took away from his interview was that there are like, there's a groundswell of police officers attempting to do the right thing. But I think, you know, they're the headwinds of the problem are just too heavy. So if we want to find justice, then what really needs to happen is this needs to be a spark. It needs to be a spark where we take that spark and run with it to ignite the funeral pyre that should be the American justice system as it is currently built. You know, at a certain point you have to say, most of this doesn't work. Most of this is built to keep people that look like you and I Mm -hmm. in positions of power and keep people who look like George Floyd with their cheek on the pavement dying. To flip that, a lot of it does work exactly like it was designed to do that, you know, horrible racist thing. The the process of dismantling complicated systems is not easy, especially when they benefit people. We have a big challenge in front of us. We have a big challenge in front of us, and so does hockey. Mm-hmm. There were months to prepare 
for the end of this trial. You craft a statement. If Derek Chauvin is found guilty, you craft a statement. If Derek Chauvin is found innocent, Mm -hmm. the NHL still managed to fuck it up. (laughs) You had months and you had one job. Yeah, you could have workshopped it ad nauseum like you know the nhl does with things i mean i think it it from my perspective it kind of went from the back burner to the forward burner real fast so the, you know you can see how an organization that is as uh flat-footed as times as the nhl just got completely caught off guard i mean the nhl got lucky mm-hmm. in that the raiders released a statement <laughs> that was Let's just say really fucking awful. <laughs> it was just stupid. So what did they say? They said, uh, we can breathe or I, uh, yes. You know, and it's like, a no, not really. And B wh- what is an NFL team to be able to say that? Well, and, and he's an old white man with a shitty haircut. Like, yeah. Mark Davis. Yeah. Mark Davis looks like he asked for an uncircumcised haircut. He like, looks like he got the haircut that the kid in problem child has. <laughs> I mean, his haircut just looks like the tip of a penis. Yeah. Like it, I mean, if you're going for max phallic imagery, you get Mark Davis on your sideline. Yeah. And, and pain and purple. He's what? Like doubled down and said, yeah, that's the tweet I wanted. Yeah. And, <laughs> To his credit, the family of George Floyd backed his tweet and, you know, came to his defense. Right. Because they weren't trying to say a shitty thing. It was just completely so ham-fisted that they ended up looking dumb. But, yeah. Thanks to the Raiders, the NHL's totally shitty statement was overlooked. Mm -hmm. And nobody paid attention to it. The NHL's statement was... While we hope the end of the trial offers a chance for healing, we remain committed to actively engaging in the movement for equality, and we invite our fans to join us in supporting systemic change. Whoop-de-doo. That's it. That's just, it's just a lame statement. It's just kind of toothless, you know, HR sent it out at the end of the day, Pete, like, someone just riffed off an email and said it. Yeah, there was not much substance. You know, the NWHL made a great statement. And was very detailed and, you know, said a lot of things that were lacking in the NHL statement. But, I mean, in the scheme of things, it could be worse. Like, what, uh, did you see what Tammy Laren had to say? It was like, oh, I guess uh, Foot Locker is safe tonight or something like that. And I was like, oh, God damn it. She's, <laughs> Fucking Tammy. <laughs> she's one of the worst people in the world. <laughs> I know. Like, someday. Goes from. Someday a bird is going to fly through her face (laughs) and people won't be all that upset i mean it's just kind of funny that it's with the same twitter account that she used to like talk about getting her pee popped in college yeah now she just says racist things for money yeah well i mean she might still be doing the other thing for money i don't know Eh, you know and i wouldn't give her shit for sex work if uh she was doing that. That's no. that's an admirable f- profession. That is much better than the rest of the bullshit she does. Yeah. Fucking legalize <laughs> sex work while we're just like on topic for a second. That shit should be legal. And then we can protect these women. Yeah. Uh, what? State of New York. The DA said they're not going to prosecute uh, prostitution anymore. Shouldn't have been doing it to begin with. So you know what we're doing? 
going to New York. Selling ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Starting OnlyFans. <laughs> well, according to a couple of episodes ago, we've got one. <laughs> we should, ju- yeah, we should, we should get can an OnlyFans and just use it like a Patreon. Can we, s- <laughs> OnlyFans connect, like reaches out to us. So we've noticed there's a, no nudity on your OnlyFans. It doesn't have to be nude. Um, it can just be revealing. Usually there's, um, <laughs> pussy <laughs> uh, I, I think there are many other orifices uh, across OnlyFans I think it's a, a multi-orifice platform uh, by well, definition our OnlyFans again will just be us in t-shirts and jeans waving hi <laughs> we're Jake and Evan from the Handsome like, Hockey Podcast like we raise a bunch of money to ditch the t-shirts or something and then people are like, why did we do this? Why we should uh, put the t-shirts back on. You look like that one guy from Letterkenny. Put your shirt on. Yeah, but not Wayne. <laughs> we've got a we've got a dairy and a squirrely Dan between the two of us. Um the NWHL statement uh was at you're right, is very good. It's accountability for the senseless murder of George Floyd does not undo pain or ease anger and frustration over systemic racism and hate. But we are hopeful that social justice and equality may prevail throughout our society. Already, better than the NHL statement, it actually says something about George Floyd. Yeah, right. (laughs) Our hearts remain with the Floyd family and all those impacted by his loss. Showing sincerity. Oh my gosh. (laughs) The NWHL stands united with a commitment to support diversity, equality, and inclusivity on the ice and in our communities while using our platform and this great sport to influence change. While somebody maybe would be uh, well put to defend the facts in the last part of the statement about the NWHL, uh, that's a really good statement. Yes, mentions George Floyd, talks about the hard road ahead. Good job, NWHL. I think the NWHL players also, you know, should give a lot of credit to them for their personal statements throughout the uh, saga of throughout the aftermath of George Floyd's death. Now we get a chance to award them for their on ice performance, as well as for uh, exemplifying the qualities that we want to see in a professional hockey player. Yeah, we did. Um, one last thing we did see statements from many NHL teams did a great job with their releases. The Mm -hmm. hockey diversity Alliance put out a great statement. Yeah. It says something about how the NHL is run versus franchises when the franchises for the most part, all nailed the statement and then NHL is like, what we, we, who, who's this about? Um, so is there, was there a trial? <laughs> and then, you know, also bears mentioning that we can't even get through the trial before someone else is horribly murdered. And then, you know, several other people. Right. And yeah. and then in the you know days following, oh, we have more trials coming in the future, hopefully for, you know, malfeasance. All right. NWHL. It's uh, players played hockey. Yes. They played hockey. They played hockey well. They did the hockey good. And... Soon, some of them will be rewarded for their outstanding achievements. Many did the hockey gooder than others. So, on April 22nd, the NH- NWHL announced the finalists for their the five awards that they 
give the five major awards that they give out every year. We're going to kind of run through the mm-hmm. gamut of these awards. The, um, the awards are MVP defender of the year, goaltender of the year, newcomer of the year, and the Denna Lang award, which is, uh, awarded to the player who most exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to her sport. So we'll run through these MVP. Pretty, some, yeah. Some familiar names. Don't have to translate that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that word, but there's the players ac- in here are very good. There's so. an accent grave, man. <laughs> uh, the finalists for this award are Jillian Dempsey of the Boston Pride, Kaylee Fracken of the Boston Pride, Michaela Grant Mentis of the Toronto Six, and Christina Putinga of Boston Pride. A lot of Boston pride in that. If you notice the trend. Yeah, they uh, have a similar sort of McDavid Dreisaitl problem. Well, and I'll say this. I think Michaela Grant Mentis should win regardless. I kind of think so, too. I mean, Jillian Dempsey played a pretty amazing season in playoff, but... Uh, she was hurt for most of the the wobble. Yeah, but uh, Michaela Grant Mentis took it to another level. Yeah, I, I think... The pro- the issue I might see with this one is Michaela Grant Mentis is also up for newcomer of the year, which we'll get to later. I mean, you can still win. You can win too, but they might be like, well, we're going to give her newcomer of the year, so we're not going to give her MVP. Oh, I see. But what we'll what we'll say, our pick is Michaela Grant Mentis for MVP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she uh, led all players in goals in regular season and. You know, averaged a point and a half per game. She was one of the more consistent players from start to finish. And also played on a team that didn't exist a year ago. So mm-hmm. coming in and putting that sort of statement on the ice for a brand new franchise is huge. And I think those, the, both the numbers and the impact say to me that MGM is this year's NWHL. Also the nickname. Yeah, Come on, like, so good. MGM for MVP. The campaign is right there. Yeah. The Built t- the, itself. The t-shirts sell themselves. Moving on. Defender of the year. They don't have a Drew Doughty around to just sort of give it to every year. Or they don't have a Drew Doughty who we thought we were going to just give it to every year. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I meant. <laughs> and the finalists for this one are Shannon Doyle of the Connecticut Whale, Lindsay Eastwood of the Toronto Six, Kaylee Fratkin, and Mallory Suliotis of the Boston Pride. Do we have a way to cut which Boston Pride defender? Like? Kaylee Fracken led the league in points. I think Kaylee Fracken is the obvious winner here. Led the entire NWHL in points during the regular season as a defender. And, you know, we used to give Bobby Orr MVPs and defend, or Norris trophies for doing that exact same thing. And I'm pretty sure we need to give Kaylee Fracken the award this year. Uh, hats off though to Shannon Doyle and Lindsay Eastwood who both had really strong seasons uh Shannon Doyle on the Connecticut Whale who really struggled to keep the puck out of the net last year and this year were a completely changed team Shannon Doyle's influence there was monumental Lindsay Eastwood for being the top defenseman on a brand new team a team that people thought was going to have defensive problems that didn't actually really show up until they got to the until they played Boston in the semifinals. They were really solid on the back end all season all, and 
you know, Lindsay Eastwood is definitely a major contributor to that. But yeah, Kaylee Fratkin totally wins this. Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> yeah, she put together nine points in the regular season and added another two assists in the playoffs. To me, defense always wins championships and she won the championship. So, you know, I think that that uh, honor belongs to her on a number of different levels. Goaltender of the year. I'm interested to see what who you go for here. I, I'm 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 decided. You are decided? Yeah. All right. Um so Elaine Chuli of the Toronto Six, Carly Jackson of the Buffalo Buttes, Amanda Levier of the Minnesota Whitecaps, and Lavisa Sealander of the Boston Pride. The easy answer here would be Lavisa Sealander. And you would not be a wrong answer at all either. No. Like she won and you know kept kept pucks out of the net better than any of the other goalies. She had some issues early in the wobble mm-hmm. where the the pride were bleeding goals. Right early. And early. then they turned it but on. But then they just said no. <laughs> they And were, part of that was her doing. I, yeah. They were a, a human or a hockey team full of dare graduates. They <laughs> just said no. They gave the puck the cold shoulder. And Sealander is absolutely the main reason for that. So they're going to be my pick. Is that your pick as well? Nope. I knew it. I'm going with Amanda Levier. You would. I mean, she is statistically dominant. I agree. I don't think either of us are wrong here. No. Um, you can never really but, be wrong with the goalie that wins the championship. Well, and Levier was fantastic right up until that last game. And that last game, you know, got away from Minnesota in a lot of respects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could have been a very different game. It was closer score-wise than I think the game itself was. Yeah, they, uh, you know, there was a, a goal that what was disallowed pretty early on that could have changed the fabric of the game. But Amanda Levier in the regular season had a 936 save percentage and in the playoffs had a 946 and a shutout. Um, so, you know, you can't really put much better goalie numbers together in, in the uh, relatively short sample size that was this NWHL season and playoff. I think it's probably going to be Sealander, but I'm pretty sure Levier should probably stand up and be like, what the fuck? If she doesn't win. <laughs> someone should what do i have to do someone should kanye I, yeah. i'm gonna let you finish but amanda <laughs> levier was the best goalie had the best the goalie season of all time <laughs> thank you thank you for finishing that the way that i was not gonna get to uh and she has the fish pads i mean the fish pads kill me every time i'm you. just like you have a giant fish on your pads that looks awesome Newcomer of the year would be the next award, or is the next? It's not. It, it's not that it would be. It is the next award. Um, some familiar faces in here: Carly Jackson of the Buffalo Buttes, Michaela Grant Mentis of the Toronto Six, Sammy Davis of the Boston Pride, their first year in the league, or as a as the number one draft pick last year, and Haley Mack of the Minnesota Whitecaps round out the newcomer of the year award or uh, nominees. I'm going to, we've already said Michaela Grant Mentis should be the MVP. So I'm pretty sure that means she's the newcomer of the year as well. Yeah, probably just to kind of give 
another player some credit. Uh, I really liked Sammy Davis for this award too. Uh, she absolutely lived up to her top picks billing and uh, was part of the reason that the Boston Pride just turned into an unstoppable nightmare. She was the sort of leak out on the fly and get a good snipe shot kind of player. Absolutely was a good pickup by their GM. Finally, the Denelang Award awarded, as Evan said earlier, awarded to the player who most exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to her sport. I don't think we're going to bother listing the other nominees because this is... (laughs) Fine, fine, fine. The three nominees who shouldn't win are Jillian Dempsey. And you know what? I will give Shannon Doyle some credit here where she is definitely second place. Shannon Doyle of the Connecticut Whale is definitely second place here, has had a very strong stance for LGBTQ and trans, especially trans athletes, trans trans athletes and trans uh, equality in the sport. Shannon Doyle, you're a rock star. Brooke Stacy of the Buffalo Buttes is the other is another nominee. And finally, who we think should absolutely win this award, Soraya Tanker of the Metropolitan Riveters. Yeah. Also a newcomer herself who, you know, took it upon herself to kind of be the voice of the league when they really needed a voice and, uh, you know, stood up to some outside bullying that was going on in an incredibly uh, tactful and uh, persuasive manner. And so, you know, a hats off to her. Can't say enough about what she did this year. Yeah. So give the award to Soraya Tinker and then just turn off the Twitch feed. and Soroya will then give Shannon Doyle a hug because she probably deserves one for her efforts as well it's got to be Soroya Tinker in this one standing up to a billion dollar corporation that wants to destroy your league is yeah while also being immense courage while also being a black woman in an extremely male and white dominated sport standing up for yourself and for your fellow women that takes guts that takes courage she got filleted on the internet because of her stances and never backed down and because of that yeah if that is the kind of thing that they teach you at yale boy i regret not trying to go because that was impressive Um, they didn't teach us that at our big 10 public schools no no it's it's, northwestern maybe (laughs) yeah it's thou shalt do what the agribusiness wants you to do (laughs) yeah do you want to write a piece about how your chickens only live all of their lives in the dark? Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was also thinking that male equivalent of the Dena Lang Award is the Lady Bing Award, sort of. I mean, a rough equivalent. And, you know, since that one, can the women's award reference a man in some strange way? Well, I think Dena Lang's earned the... Uh, earned the right to be the namesake of this award but if they do another award it could be like the prince william award i don't know i don't fucking know i don't have any i don't have any just make it for prince just the prince award yeah the statue is purple Mm -hmm. okay yeah we can go with that (laughs) all right so Uh, that was a my poor attempt at transitioning back to the nhl (laughs) well your poor attempt at the transition was what was kind of poor, but 
your explanation that that was a poor attempt to transition back to the NHL worked really great because guess what? (laughs) (laughs) Here we are. So yeah, Minnesota, Colorado, Vegas, and Carolina have now officially locked in playoff appearances this year, probably in the next couple of days. By the time we record next weekend, there will probably be like four or five more. Uh, Games are coming in hot and fast here in the last couple of weeks. Buffalo, New Jersey, Columbus, and as of about three hours ago, Detroit (laughs) have now been eliminated from playoff contention. It's, you know, I don't know that any of those things are surprises. Yeah, I was going to say the first four in and the first four out all look pretty much as we sort of thought they might. Well, not Minnesota. I don't think we thought Min. I thought no, Minnesota. That's true. That is the surprise. I thought Minnesota would be the team that would be the last team in in the West after St. Louis, Vegas, and Colorado. But no, now they're the greatest show on ice. All they're of a sudden. so much fun. <laughs> They've won seven in a row. Locked up Ryan Hartman while they had the chance. He gets yeah. a new deal. Yeah. Why the hell not? I think we'll probably see Ottawa and Anaheim and the Kings and Chicago. Chicago get knocked out. Get knocked out here in the next week but it's amazing to me that carolina has clinched before tampa tampa's been on a bit of a skid if tampa had continued their path of dominance they probably would have the only team that surprisingly has been able to trip up carolina lately is the red wings yeah detroit yeah (laughs) what's their record versus carolina it's like five three and one or something (laughs) like that or yeah that's five one and three it's ridiculous well, there's always a team that bad Detroit gets. One year it was Boston. One year it was Montreal. Mm-hmm. This year it's Carolina. That Montreal year, that was so weird. The first time ever that Detroit had swept Montreal <laughs> in a season, it was a year where they barely won any other games. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that may stand as one of the strangest schedule wins losses anomalies. Do you want to talk about the Chicago yeah, the, the Black hockey Hawks, team? Uh, almost certainly fall out of realistic postseason contention after dropping, uh, you know, three gotta have them games, dropping two of them to the Predators. The Predators stand immediately above them in the standings, except now Dallas will be moving into that spot shortly. But on the ice, they looked light years ahead of them in defensive ability and physicality we saw the first game and it was like yeah this is not gonna go very well and then it didn't go very well and i shut the second game off with the predators up 4-1 and somehow the blackhawks came back and i was like what the what the fuck but that last game nashville just imposed their will again and seemed to you know kind of win most periods blackhawks had some good runs and opportunities but you know this will be a year that they don't make the postseason, and that's probably okay. Uh, they overshot where we all thought they'd be, so I'm not going to whine too much about it. You know, they found some really talented young forwards and somehow lucked into a couple NHL quality goaltenders. So, you know, if they can fix some issues at the defensive end, like maybe this will be one of these legendary re- quote unquote rebuild on the flies. Or if they keep putting players on LTIR they might they might make it <laughs> buy a whole new team speaking of players in LTIR uh, today Andrew Shaw announced his retirement from the league after 10 it seems like all too short years partially because he missed a lot of them with injury he's retiring due to repeat concussions and medical advice that he should no longer play the game 
happy trails to, as they were called him, the mutt. You know, he was a energetic, undersized forward that punched above his weight class in many respects and happened to win two Stanley Cups in the process while generally being a fun guy to watch in the ice. He was either being a little bowling ball in front of the net or taking a penalty or, you know, scoring any number of clutch goals. So uh, hats off to Andrew Shaw and happy trails. Sorry you had to retire too young, but also your knees won't hurt like mine do. There is that. And then uh, got some relatively good news today in that Jonathan Taves is expected back for the next season. That creates a bit of a log jam now at center, and they're going to have to kind of figure out how to... Dylan Strom was healthy scratched for all of these games versus the Preds. You know, one of their more consistent uh, offensive performers... Healthy scratched because uh why versus a team that you really struggle to score goals against. So so there's an implement of war mm-hmm. that it has two treads on either side mm-hmm. and it's armored and has a long cannon on it. What is that called? A uh, submarine. Close. This one's on land. Uh, land submarine. <laughs> the notorious land submarine. Uh, no, we're all talking about a tank. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> you think the intentional tank there? Do I think it's intentional? No. Nah, probably. I mean, yeah. But they don't exactly. Setting want- your best center against for three games that you have to win against the team that's above you in the playoff, right? Push. Yeah. That thought occurred to me. I don't mind them tanking that much and it, you know it's a little bit of a bummer but they probably weren't gonna beat the preds with him either so eh. yeah for teams that aren't tanking cole caulfield made his nhl debut for the canadians yeah and makes it what a week after a bunch of practice videos of him just doing silly fun things with goalies gets leaked like could you hype a rookie any harder? Well, the Montreal hype machine is amongst the best in the league. Right. So and you give them a couple dangle shots and you're adding your top rookie right before the playoffs in which you made some pretty smart pickups, you know, to gear up for like, God, they must be so stoked. You can't deny it. He's been torching everybody since he was able to start playing this year. And so it's Mm -hmm. no surprise that he's up in Montreal for at least a cup of tea this year. We'll see if he ends up sticking for more than nine games, or I think it's seven games you get to play this year and have it not expire your, one of your rookie deal rookie contract years. But yeah. Hey, shout out to the kid. He's going to be, he's going to be a hell of a player. You know, he's five, seven and like 165 pounds. Yeah, there's a reason why he fell in the draft a little bit. And while all of the draft people were like, pick him, pick him. <laughs> NHL teams were like, he's small. I, I I just can't see it. I literally can't see him. He's so small. And like Corey Pronman and Scott Wheeler and Bob McKenzie were like, pick him, you idiots. <laughs> you know, did you hear he's small? I, I just can't I, I can't see him being a productive NHL player. I just can't see it. This is apparently the Dallas Stars <laughs> yeah, scouting staff. Right. <laughs> Which also the happens Atlanta to be the scout, scouting staff. Also happens to be the scouting staff from Friday Night Lights. Playing hockey in West Canaan, Texas was the opportunity <laughs> of your life. But I don't want your life. Speaking of Dallas, yeah. In Texas. Uh, well, I think Dallas the two 
remaining playoff races that are even remotely interesting involve Dallas and St. Louis, mm-hmm. right? Well, they teams that we thought for sure were going to be that fourth team in. And then for months now, we've been like, maybe they won't be. Yeah. So and Dallas now, and now they are <laughs> has a couple of games in hand over the predators and a chance to catch them for that four spot in the standings kind of looks like it's going to come down to the final couple weeks of the season, which will be kind of fun. I mean, just to have two close playoff races after, after as weird top. of a year that this has been. Well, like, and after the top three seeds were locked up in every conference yeah, a kinda. month ago. There has not been a whole lot of standing excitement. <laughs> well, like in the West, Vegas locked 70 points. Colorado locked 66 points. Minnesota locked 65 points. St. Louis, fourth, 48 points. (laughs) They did not look like a 48-point team when they played the Avs the other day. Boy, uh, had me eating my shoe. Um, Colorado put in two goals in the first three minutes, and I wrote on our Slack channel, oh, this one's going to be bad. And then I like... It was bad. And then I like went down to the you know, do some stuff in the basement and came back and St. Louis had scored three goals. I was like, what? Where did, ha? And then, and then someone pointed out who was in net. Yeah. It's Devin Dubnik. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say when called it, <laughs> you kind of did. I called uh, and what he let in, ended up letting in six goals. Called it. <laughs> It was a fun game. It was yeah. close for a little while. Pretty much every Colorado game is fun, though. So I don't think them having a terrible goalie really <laughs> changed that equation. This outside is true. of the fact that they finally lost. Yeah. That first three minutes, St. Louis was just like, what the fuck do we do with these players? They were all just looking and standing as, you know, Nazem Kadri and Nathan McKinnon were speeding by defenders. Like, it, like they were turnpike cone it was something else the the ebbs and flows of that game just made me really excited for playoff hockey hopefully we get a little bit of a playoff intrigue as we get close it'd be awesome if it was decided on the last day absolutely um i'm pulling for arizona but would not be disappointed if st louis made it again i mean this has been a tough season for them tarasenko's back like there's players in st louis i can root for but I'm I'm rooting for Arizona as well. I think anytime the Yotes make the playoffs, mm-hmm. it's it's fun. Yeah, like, I, I like seeing them do well despite the fact that their ownership is incredibly toxic. Apparently, <laughs> thank you, Katie Strang. I uh, feel like anytime they make the playoffs, someone births an Austin Matthews. I don't ooh. know. Maybe that's a rule. It's like the Super Bowl bump for babies. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it's sort of babies like- named Tom Brady. As far as Nashville and Dallas goes, it's probably pretty obvious that I dislike Dallas. Yeah, I don't really um, particularly like either of those teams. The the comedy factor says Nashville doesn't make it. Because Nashville, who should have absolutely sold at the deadline for them to not make it, that'd be pretty great. Yeah, and Dallas has done a little karma banking and having to deal with COVID to start the season, the uh, s- snowvid uh, is what the Texans call it, I think. Is the complete when, when, failure yeah. of their infrastructure <laughs> that their, forced their congressman to flee. Yeah, when their electrical grid went belly up. And then uh, they got COVID again. So, like... Tyler Sagan hasn't played yet. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they've got... Ben Bishop has not played yet. And will not play. Right. 
the human interest comedy factor says Dallas gets in. I think it's going to happen just looking at the standings because yeah, Dallas is starting to turn it on and, and just beat Carolina tonight. So, I mean, anything is possible. Finally, I think I'm going to I'm going to do a little bit of a mea culpa. I kind of yeah. I kind of shit all over Patrick Marlowe's achievement last week. I, I understand. You, you know, think, Gordie Howe is Gordie Howe and Gordie Howe is a hometown guy to you. Like, And I think that I got wrapped up a little bit in the Gordie Howe-ness of the record. Sure. And I was wrong. This is pretty great. Yeah. It, it, Good job, Patrick Marlowe. Like having that sort of longevity takes a lot of fortitude. It takes a lot of luck, but it also takes a lot of perseverance. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember one of the things that I kind of overlooked in all this is that he lost a season and a half to labor disputes. Yeah. And so, you know, that's what, 120 games. So we're probably talking about Patrick Marlowe breaking this record while he was still like a middle six guy two years ago, if we didn't have those those issues right and his reward for enduring all of this was watching gary bettman wax poetic for 10 minutes on the jumbotron yeah which is a huge downer like (laughs) nobody in that building will have an erection for days um but just just anti-erection yeah it's like (laughs) picture picture the little blue pill now think of the exact opposite of that (laughs) just dry vaginas as yeah, far as the eye just can like, see i'm gonna like, make it so dry for you it's it's low tide all over the <laughs> bay area right now that's what Dar- that's what gary bettman does to people gary bettman's nickname should be low tide <laughs> <laughs> gary bettman and ben shapiro i so. mean ben shapiro who goes to who, who compl- bags his lumber right complains complains about uh liberals being soy boys and and you know and then goes to it Home Depot. Know how to buy a put, piece of wood? It's a piece of wood in a plastic bag. One piece of wood. Like, what is he doing with one piece of wood? I will have one wood, please. What is? It? He probably said that. He's like, "Can I get wood?" And they're like, "You know, this is a fucking Home Depot, right?" He's like, "I would like one of those." Oh, his Twitter thrashing was hilarious. That was so good. Anyways, Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> congratulations you're way better than ben shapiro um but also that's that's an awesome achievement and i apologize for poo-pooing it last (laughs) week congratulations you'll never hear this but congratulations not the same i yeah i think you can tell that his nice guy demeanor and sort of never having a bad thing really said or seen from him probably means he's going to be a hall of famer that's a that's a big debate right i mean he has the all-time games played record very solid nhl career stats are there no cups which yeah now do you think that should immediately discredit a guy from being in the league or in the hall i don't either but it does make the case for him harder but then again, cups don't always guarantee either you look at chris osgood who Mm -hmm. has 300 wins and two cups He'll probably never make the hall despite having numbers that say he should. Patrick Marlowe doesn't have any cups, but has numbers that say he should. So, you know, it's 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 a hit or miss or it's a it's a toss up. I think he gets in. I think he gets in. 
maybe not first ballot, but I think he gets in. Yeah, maybe second, and, but, but he's definitely going in. Yeah, I mean, I I'm just reading the tea leaves of like the NHL marketing and stuff and like, yeah, he's getting in. <laughs> well, and it's voted on by the writers and most of the writers came out and said, future Hall of Famer, Patrick Marlowe, Frank Scordy House. And it's like, OK, well, if the people who are voting on it are saying that this guy's a future Hall of Famer, he's probably in the hall. Yeah. And as uh, I think it was Sean McIndoe pointed out, um, you know, some you sometimes have like the brightest stars of any period of time in the league. And then you have stat compilers and uh, you know, he definitely has acquired a ton of stats. I mean, he scored a shit ton of goals in this record number of games he's played and uh, you know, was a a seen as sort of a paragon type figure. Yeah. He's definitely going in and I mean, I take this as another opportunity to just congratulate him on this amazing achievement and wherever his final number ends up, it will be a long time before anybody. An, comes yeah. Close. Another player tops Patrick Marlowe's record for the most games played in the NHL. Cool. Good for him. Like I'm excited for him to finish out his career and hang him up and, you know, we'll see what happens with the hall. I'm going to guess he's in, but again, congratulations and i'm sorry (laughs) all right i think that is it for us this week um we'll we'll have more next week we got some good fun stuff for next week planned Mm -hmm. thank you as always for listening for your feedback we've been getting some really excellent feedback the last couple of weeks and we're just we're thrilled to get that from folks it makes us better and makes us more thoughtful and it makes us work harder and so thank you everybody who's been reaching out if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us all over the internets. We are at handsomehockey.com. That is our website. We are Handsome Hockey Podcast on Instagram, at Handsome Hockey on Twitter. Or you can email us at handsomehockeypod at gmail.com or find us at the Handsome Hockey Facebook page. And obviously listening to us now, you found us on one of the many places we are available, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, or Red Circle. And uh, we hope to be in your ears more often. Yeah, if your podcast hosting service, whatever you want to call it, it has a rating system and you want to give us a five-star review, that would be amazing. Those help us in the long term with being able to, you know, if this becomes a thing to find revenue in other ways um, and be able to bring more content to you. If you are on Spotify or wherever and you can follow us, uh, clicking that follow button helps us a lot as well. Um, And, you know, it helps with our metrics and all that good stuff. And, you know, we're 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 giving it a go so if you can do that it, i just found out that i wasn't following us on spotify the other day so oh, i yeah. went in and did that <laughs> um so we've got maybe two or three now which is awesome but and we uh, also have a youtube channel uh we don't have anything up there yet besides just our episodes but we will maybe add some video content in the future and you will be alarmed at how pale i am yeah they'll be like we, you, you landed on the name handsome hockey how <laughs> Evan, how do you podcast with a ghost? That's incredible. <laughs> Where do you? You should really turn down your white balance. What there. spectral realm do you <laughs> call him from before with a Ouija board? <laughs> 
thank you again, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you. And stay handsome, everybody. Restez beau.